Welcome to the Runner's Roundtable podcast. My name is Stephanie Diaz, and in this podcast, I'll be following my curiosity when it comes to all things running. In this episode, I'm speaking to educator and Skokie Swifters Run Walk Club founder, Sabrina Emke, about the impact of social media on our understanding of ourselves as runners and how to engage with social media in ways that motivate us to be our best runner selves. If you are interested in attending the live community discussions, give me a follow on Instagram at the Cookie Runner or check my website, thecookierunner.net, for registration details. Happy listening. That is so exciting. Yay. All right. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. And again, thank you so much for being here on a Saturday to partake in this conversation and listen to this conversation. Um, as I was telling Sabrina earlier, this is just me following my curiosity and wanting to have these conversations with people I enjoy talking to and then opening up the space so that anyone else who wants to hear what I have to think about or the questions I have to ask can also be a part of it as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm gonna say thank you profusely throughout this because I'm just so grateful to have you all here. And I am incredibly grateful to have Sabrina here to, uh, I feel like, going with like the psychology terms, you're like my little guinea pig today where I'm like, let's pick the brain and see what comes out and where we can go. So I do have a list of questions, but we will go with the flow. And I honestly think that we will not get through all the questions that I have, which is more than okay. So I trust in the flow and the timing of this conversation. I will be as intentional and as mindful as possible of the time. And know that again, this is just me following my curiosity. And I hope this conversation sparks a bit of curiosity for you. And that then you go and have conversations with other people about. So like a ripple it's we're here. We're just, I'm just dropping one little pebble in the river or the lake or whatever the case is. And hopefully it ripples out. So I will get started by asking Sabrina, probably the biggest, most important question is, who are you? <laughs> oh my, <laughs> where to begin? Um, so first of all, I just want to say thank you for having me. Um, it makes me feel very important that Stephanie asked me to do this with her. Stephanie, I've only known for a couple of years through our connection with Team Sugar Runs, but I feel like it's been a lot longer than that just because of how well we've gotten along and just of how much I've learned from her already in the short time. Um, you really cause me to pause and be more mindful about a lot of things when I see your posts and when I connect with you. So thank you on a personal level for that. Uh, and then just thank you to all you provide to all of our followers and definitely our teammates too. Um, so who am I? Okay. Well, um, I'm currently a psychology teacher, um, at a high school just outside of Chicago. Um, I have been teaching for about 17 years and I've taught a myriad of classes in that time, but um, the main class I've taught is the AP psychology course. And connected to that, I um, have also been a runner for a very long time. And in the last couple of years have just gotten curious about 
the connection between those two things. Um, so I want to do a quick shout out, shout out, like a Sean out. <laughs> That's a new term I just made up. A Sean out, a shout out to our friend, Sean King, who is here with us, um, who has been providing me some space and opportunity to talk about those two things connected to each other. Um, and I know that that's something Stephanie and I have talked about. So that's where that connection comes from also. Um, my running journey, I guess, is, is also relevant here. Um, I've been running for almost 20 years, I would say officially. I ran in high school a little bit. Like I was on the track team for one year, um, but not in a very serious manner. I just was happy to be on it and join. And then when I got to college, I started running just more for exercise. And I was doing an internship at the time in my junior year, sophomore year, junior year, somewhere around there. And I was doing an internship. I went to Northwestern University. I was taking the train down into the city um, to go to this internship. And I just happened to see an advertisement for the AIDS Foundation of Chicago. They were starting their training program um, for the Chicago Marathon for later that year. And I was looking at it and I'm looking, I'm like, why would I ever possibly? a marathon. Like what would be the point? <laughs> I was not running more than probably like five K's. Maybe there was like a 10 K in there. Um, but honestly I hadn't been running more than that. And I looked at it and my dad is also a runner. So I called him from the train. I was like, I'm looking at this thing right now. Like, do you have any interest in it? And, um, he's like, nah, no, not really. I'm like, okay, hung up, whatever. About an hour later, my dad calls me back. He's like, let's do it. So he had obviously given it some thought, something sparked him as well. Um, so we signed up, uh, we were in different training groups, but we both did the program. So within that, we also raised money for the AIDS foundation of Chicago. And that was in 2003. Um, since then I've run eight marathons. I'll be running my ninth this fall, I'll do Chicago again. And then hopefully next March, I will finally get to my sixth world marathon major. I only have one left to get all those six stars and it's Tokyo. So I was supposed to do that in 2020. And then of course the pandemic happened. So, um, I'm, I'm just a long time runner. I, I think it's been good for me in many different ways, especially mentally and emotionally. Um, also community wise in the last year, I've started a run walk club outside of Chicago and Skokie called the Skokie Swifters, many of whom are here today. Thanks for joining us. Um, and that has been incredibly fulfilling for me, not just in terms of the exercise aspect and the weekly accountability, but more so in the community and the friendships that have been built through that as well. So, um, yeah, I'll leave it there. I think that kind of covers a little bit of everything in a nutshell about me. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Sure. I realize I have a tendency to talk a lot. So I'm like, wait, I didn't even introduce myself because I gave such a long introduction <laughs> and I want to make sure that I'm so aware of the space that I'm taking up to make sure that I'm giving you and everyone else here enough space as well. Um, but similarly, for I started running in 2012 and for me, it was like, Oh, I had just had a baby six months prior. And I thought, this is something I can do with my kids. I can pop them in a stroller and easily head out the door. Um, and I joined a running group and that's really what did it for me in terms of doing races. And I was laughing at Terrence when he's like running my first half tomorrow, because at the point, by the time I had run my first half, I was already signed up for two other ones because I loved <laughs> the training and being with everyone so much that it was just a lot of fun. 
And part of that running journey or the beginning of my running journey was social media and sharing a lot of what I did on social media, because that, to your point of accountability, it's, I had accountability with my run group, but then there was also accountability with, you know, the unknowns of social media, which at that point was just my family members, you know, that we're talking about 10 years ago with social media. So the question, or in my sharing that, the question now that I have for you is how did you make that transition to social media? As someone who's been running for 20 years, social media and Instagram, and I always focus on Instagram because I, my brain can only handle one social media platform at a time. So I always talk about Instagram. I'm like Facebook, I don't know, Twitter, I don't know, any of those other, other platforms, I don't know. So I'm curious as to how you navigated sharing your running journey, because I mean, I'm the cookie runner, your run teacher, right? Like there's run in our names. Like that's something that it's, it's a really big part of our identity, but then it's also a big part of who we are in that social media landscape. So I'm curious to hear from you. When did you start using social media? What was your initial relationship with social media? And have you noticed any themes that have been with you since you've been on social media and just like I asked, who are you as a runner? I guess, who are you as a person with a social media profile that is also a runner? Oh my gosh. Okay. There's a lot in there. So, um, I think, so what, one of the first things that came to my mind as you were talking about that, and I don't know if this should be a point of pride or a point of shame, but I always like to say I'm like first generation Facebook because I was in college when it came and when it first came out, it was purely for college students. And so it, it became a way to connect, you know, with people on your campus. Cause for a time it was very limited just to your specific university. Um, so I would say Facebook is really like the first entry into social media, unless you want to define things like AOL messenger as social media, also like back <laughs> in the day where you would have your little like profile and you'd put like some profound quote there. And like, it was supposed to make everybody think you were like really sad or whatever. So <laughs> like it, you know, there's all these sorts of iterations of what social media has been defined as I think, but, um, but anyway, so I think, so starting with Facebook, I guess is just sort of, um, where it began for me, but it wasn't really so much focused on running. It was more just being as a person, right. As a college student, trying to connect with people. Um, I would say that when I first got started on Instagram, it was more just about me on a personal level. And I, I, I do think part of the name that I came up with was, um, from more of a teaching aspect at the time. Cause I think that's maybe where I identified with more. Um, but I would say really the thing that sort of kind of triggered me to make it more focused on the running was I think the world marathon majors journey that I've been on, um, that really helped expand, first of all, my knowledge of running the community and of the history of running too. Um, but then it also helped me to see the wider community that I have immediate access to, right? So you have all these elite runners and these professionals who are on Instagram and yes, of course they can be very inspiring and you can take a lot from them, but it also gave me access to the people that are immediately connected to me or in my circle and could give me a little bit more personalized encouragement and community than some of these elite runners. Um, I like to think of it also as sort of my personal journal. Like I know people have varying levels of comfort with what they share and stuff. And for me, 
it's a lot about trying to express what I'm feeling about a particular moment of a run or about a run in general, about a race or about, you know, the Swifters sometimes like I post about that too. And just my journey with how that came to be. Um, but I think for me, it, it's a way to express that and to hopefully find some sort of connection to other people with that. And hopefully that those people can find something out of there that they can use too. Um, you know, I know you have some other questions that are going to address this later, but I, but just to kind of give a preview, I think the, um, you can, looking at it on like the positive or negative side, right? Like, obviously we can talk about a lot of the negative aspects of social media too, but at, at least for me within the running, I want that to be not just positive for me and to help me parse through what I'm thinking, but also positive for other people to, to walk away with something too, maybe. And I'd, I'd like to think that that's what we're providing on our own personal pages, but also, for example, we have a Swifter Facebook, we have a Swifter Instagram, and my hope is that people are seeing those posts and they want to get inspired to not just join us, but just to go out and do their own thing. Um, and along the way, figure out, you know, what's important to them with their own running too. I feel like I missed a question or two in there. Did I, did I hit a couple, couple of things? <laughs> I think you answered. I don't even know. I feel like usually when I ask a question, it's never a simple question. It's always a very multifaceted <laughs> question. <Yes. laughs> so I appreciate that. And, and I think this will connect to something well, we're just going to talk about it now um, sure. because I love what you said, how your intention is inspiration. So there, when I hear you talk about that, I understand, or what I'm getting is that there is a lot of clarity as to your why with social media, right? Because there's different, there's different ways. It's like you either engage with social media as the person who's consuming content, or you engage with social media as the person who's putting out content. And here I'm like, wait, okay, this, I want this conversation to be about the consumption piece, but obviously it's all connected. And I often come back to in all of my teachings and in everything that I always, you know, whether it's this exploration of the runner identity, whether it's this exploration of, for me, like the yoga teacher identity or the yoga practitioner identity, a lot of it always comes down to the why. Why am I doing what I'm doing? And in that why, it's how do I come back to myself and not necessarily do what others are doing because that's, that's what I think. So I love that your intention is just clear where it's like it's inspiration and hopefully it's, it's an inspiration that's rooted in your reality and in the truth of your experience. And I guess the question now that I want to, I want to ask with that is how do we navigate social media when not all accounts yeah. are like that? And I know that's a massive question um, because not all accounts. And even yesterday I was having a conversation yesterday, the day before with some friends too, where it's like, we have social media and it's all wonderful. And, and there is a lot of good there is a lot of not so good. And then there's a lot of in between that you really don't know, right? Like that you're, at least for me, where there's certain accounts where I'm like, I don't know why I'm feeling this way. Like what's going on? Like what insecurity is this tapping into in me? Like what, what's happening within me that I'm responding to an account a certain way. But the question is that it's, you are putting out 
information, putting out content that is inspirational. And I'm just curious if there's any tip or any suggestion you have in terms of maybe recognizing which accounts are not doing that. Mm. So I want to acknowledge that you said that's a hard question to answer, um, or it's a, it's a hard thing to figure out because there is so much bad or for lack of a more sophisticated word, right? There's just, you know, social media obviously means different things to different people. And I think so in as much as like what I'm putting out there is I'm hoping it's inspirational to somebody else. I'm also doing it. I'm going to say selfishly, although I don't think it really is, but selfishly it's for me too, right? Like I'm putting it out there so that I can get my own thoughts out. And when I am able to maybe reread that over the next couple of days after I put it out there, like that helps me to remember why I'm doing something or if a run went terribly, I'm able to talk through that. And hopefully that helps me to process it more too. So it is in as much as it's for, for other people, I hope it's for other people. It's, it's really for me as well. Um, but I think that that's where I think I try to make sure that I'm like following the same people or like connecting with those that I know are going to give me something in return, whether they read my stuff or not. Um, I can get something positive from them, or I can get something good from them, or I can get um, a question that maybe I've never thought about pertaining to my own running in some way that I should be asking myself. Um, so it's easier said than done to just like ignore <laughs> the bad stuff. But I think what, what becomes hard is another layer of this is thinking of your own mindset when you're looking at that stuff too. Um, and this is actually something that we've talked about on this podcast. I do called the reset with the, for the run crew and Sean, um, I think we, we have to remember where we are currently when we're reading those things or where, where is my mood? Where is my mindset? When I'm looking at something, if I'm already sad or upset about the way that a race went or something, and I'm reading somebody else's post who like did fantastic and they got a PR and they did all this wonderful thing, did all these wonderful things. And I'm reading that like, it's very possible that that's going to make me feel even worse about myself. And again, I want to acknowledge that those things aren't easy, right? We have to be able to be aware of how we're feeling about that first before we can act on it. Um, but it is, I think it is important to recognize the mood you're in when you're doing those things. Um, if you're really, really happy, then everything's going to seem great and roses and rainbows and puppies and kittens and everything. But there's, there's a difference with how you are presenting in that moment to how you're analyzing things or how you're accepting or not accepting what's coming at you as well. I love that. And I'm like, oh, here is the, so if you see me looking away, it's because I'm taking notes. That's okay. Um, I'm, I'm a note taker. And I'm like, oh, there's number one. That's the number one takeaway from today. It's in terms of social media, it's understand your mood when you log in, mm. right? And like, how are you feeling? And I really appreciate that because you're absolutely right. When you are in a good mood, things kind of roll off you. And I feel like particularly as runners, and I've never done another sport besides like soccer and middle school. So I really can't, I can't say if this is a universal saying, but there's definitely a deep tenderness that comes with running and our running performance and how that performance connects to our worth as runners. So 
if you're logging on and I feel like I see it all the time, right? When I'm like, oh, someone got a PR, cool. Like that rolls off. But if I'm coming off of a bad run or I'm coming off of a race that did not go as expected and then I check out other people's posts, that is gonna like trigger something in me. And that's what, you know, I've experienced that at races. I experienced that very briefly after the Chicago, Chicago Marathon last year where I had a great training cycle and I'm like, cool. I think like, I think this is going to be a good year for a solid run at this point. I'm like, uh, my relationship to PRs is just weird. I don't know if I want to work for them. I don't know if I want to work on them. I don't know what I want to do, but at last year's Chicago race, I'm like, okay, I think this is going to be a good race. And then I woke up on race morning and my brain was like, I think it's not like, I think you're going to just, you're just going to show up. You're just going to show up and, and do what you can. <clears throat> and during that race, it was that mindset of, okay, let me just have the most fun that I can have while I'm running from start to finish. Let me have as much fun as I can. But then there was that moment afterwards of checking social media and of being like, oh, so did anybody else have a race experience? Like I did, like there was almost this need to validate my experience based on what other people experienced. Even though when I finished, I was really proud of myself, but there was something about like, I want to know who struggled as well. And then I want to know who did better. And, and then there's that question of <clears throat> these people who did, who did better. Why did they do better? Why couldn't I have done better? Or, you know, but it took, so it's like, I think that's like that takeaway number two here. It's that also checking in with yourself afterwards, after being on social media and being like, wait, how am I feeling? Mm -hmm. And thankfully for me, I spend so much time in my head and I do so much thinking and I talk to so many people. And I think that's a big part of it too. It's making sure that your support system, and I, I've been thinking about this a lot, particularly with social media of our support systems and the support systems that exist off of social media. Um, obviously people on social media contribute to that, but I have this whole idea of like, we need outside perspective and different perspectives when it comes to our social support networks, where you need other people who are runners that get what it's like to be a runner. And then you need those people who are not connected to the sport at all, who just, they love you and they support your love of the sport, but they really don't get why you love the sport as much as you do. And um, so I think of, I forget what my point was because I was just like, I was like, yes, what you're saying is, is so on point, but it's also that, yeah, that awareness of how are you feeling when you're going into your social media time and then mm -hmm. checking in with yourself as to how are you feeling afterwards? And then hopefully. Can, yeah. Can I, can I throw in a point that I was thinking about while, while you were talking, when you, when you mentioned the um, so like after your race, like you, you adjusted, right? Like you made a decision to have different goals that day, which I think all of us should, well, I'll speak for myself. I should work on doing more of that, more of the adjustment, right? Like you come up to race week and I might have this particular goal. And then I wake up in the morning and I start in the race or whatever, and it just doesn't feel right. I'm, I'm the type of person that will still try to just go for that same goal, even though I probably should be adjusting it just based on how things were. And so I think on a personal level that leads me at the end of a race 
to feel even more disappointed than if I had just gone ahead and taken that time to adjust. Connecting that to what you've been saying and just back to the social media piece, I think that personally is really hard for me sometimes because if I come off of a bad race or which it wasn't bad, right? It was just, I'm assessing it as bad, even though I finished, I probably did fine. It was just in that moment, it felt bad. And for example, if I log on to our team sugar runs account, and I see that everybody's posts are up there about, I dropped a PR today and I did this and I did this and it's hard. And I think if I had adjusted my goal to begin with, or adjusted my thought process to begin with at the beginning of that race, then later when I go and I share my post or I look at other people's, then I won't feel as bad, right? Like it's almost like you have to, you have to do the work ahead of time in order for your engagement with other people's accounts and other people's posts to be better later. And that's, that's a, that's a hard, I think, forethought process to go through because you can only control so much in that moment and we can only let go of so much. And if we're not trying to do that ahead of time, obviously it's going to be harder, but how hard is it to just do that ahead of time too? You know, it's like this weird back and forth that we just sometimes have to come to accept. And I think it, it also, at least for me, it kind of makes me rethink what I might do at the next race. And it makes me also remember like you felt this way before and everything turned out fine. So why are you worried this time? But that's hard. That's really hard. So a lot of what you were saying made me think about that aspect of like, can we do the work ahead of time so that later everything is okay? And I think that's the million dollar question. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Go get yourself a lab and start researching that. Oh, Um, because that is have the really psych background. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I just I think that is, a, that is a really big question. And I, as I was listening to you talk, I was thinking about, um, I don't know if there's a better word for it, but kind of like this running elevator where we think hmm. we're always supposed to be going up, 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 whether it's PRs, breaking PRs, meeting new mileage, like that and the reality is that running is there's peaks there's valleys and there is I feel like, like in my personal experience there is a, I spend like 50% of my time in a plateau like mm-hmm. I'm just like what's going on here like come on come on I'm giving you it all can you just give me like a morsel like just just a drop um and I think that's part of again, like this struggle, particularly for me. So I always like to tell this story because I, I think it's it's just so pivotal in my particular running journey. And I realized that there's like a piece of the story that I haven't told. And the piece of the story is that I lived in Boston for four years. Okay. Hmm. Boston Marathon. Everybody knows about the Boston Marathon or, you know, once you start dipping your toes into running, you become aware of the Boston Marathon. And when we lived in Boston, I did not run. Like I ran, you know, if I went to the gym and was like, let me get a 30 minute workout, let me hop on the treadmill. Did not run while I lived in Boston. Every year though, we would go out and we would spectate at the race. And we're talking about, this was maybe 2002 to 2006. I don't know. Anyways, it was, it was, early 2000s that we lived there. 
And I just remember going out to the race, thinking that it was so amazing. These people were out there running, loving the crowds that were supporting them, but never giving it much more thought. Then a few years later, I myself start running. So we're talking about like almost a decade after, after having lived in Boston, I myself start to run. And like I shared, I started to share my running journey on Instagram and in sharing that, like what you mentioned, it connected me to the wider running community, but then also to a local Miami base at that point, we were back in Miami running community. And all of a sudden I felt like everyone was working on the Boston marathon or working on getting the time for that race. And I was like, I obviously have to do it too, right? Like if everybody's working on it, like that's, that's the running elevator. That's gotta be the next step, the next step. And in that I ran a lot of races. I've done a few marathons, done an ultra marathon, just because I wanted to see if I could do it. I was like, Oh, let's, that's just who I was as a runner in the beginning was founded on a lot of curiosity. I just wanted to see what I could do. But as my engagement in this online running community grew much to what you shared, so did my awareness of what running looked like. And it just seems like everyone was working on this one goal, or it seems like all the big accounts on social media were the accounts that were getting to Boston or are those accounts that have really fast running times. And that's what I thought I wanted too. And I'll never forget. I was like, oh, I'm going to train for another marathon. I had a horrible, probably the worst marathon experience you could ever envision for yourself. That's what I had in 2017 at the Chicago marathon. And oh, after that, that was the hot year. Yeah. I was so broken. <laughs> I was, I was like broken and heartbroken, which is a real tough combination. Yeah. And that's why I say that us runners are so tender when it comes to our running performance and how we view ourselves as runners. So that year I was very broken. And I, I believe it was like the year after, or maybe two years after that, I remember talking to my running coach and I was like, I really want to do this. I want like, this is the time. And she stopped in our conversation and she's like, why? Like, basically her question was, do you actually want this for you? Or do you want this? Because that's what everyone else is doing. Mm -hmm. And that just stopped me dead in my tracks because the minute she asked me that, whatever weight I was carrying, this weight of expectation that that was the next step or this weight of expectation that that's what meant I was a runner, it completely lifted. And it gave me the permission to, I think, be more of who I knew I was. But because I was so involved in this online running community, and again, it's like, no shade to the online running community. There's a lot of good, there's a lot of bad, but to what you're speaking to, it's that, that awareness of who you are, what's your headspace, even before, like we're talking about step one is, is recognizing who you are before you even log in, right? Like that's step one here. Step two is, okay, now that I'm here, what's my mood? And then step three is kind of like, okay, so what's my mood afterwards? We're talking about levels and levels and levels of awareness here that most of us, at least I can say that for me, when I log onto social media, sometimes it's really mindfulness. Like it's not mindfulness, it's mindless. Like I'm just Mm. like, oh, I got like five minutes to just (laughs) like eat crap. Let me log on. So 
I share that story because that for me was my experience of social media being this place where I could share, but then social media also being this place that instead of, in a way, yes, it expanded my vision, but also it contracted my vision in which I thought that was the goal that everyone had to chase. And I saw this also recently where someone was like, hey, remember that not everyone runs marathons. Like people who run marathons, it's like 1% of the population. And yet there are days when I get on social media and I'm like, wait, everyone's running a marathon. Should, should <laughs> yeah. I? Even though I know I don't like to run marathons, but I'm like, but everyone's running it. So shouldn't I? But it yeah. takes that minute to be like, hey, remember, this isn't the world. This isn't this. Yes, there is reality here. But this isn't the all-encompassing reality of what it means to be a runner. Like, I didn't even realize there were, and it sounds so silly, but it's like, I didn't even realize there was runners who didn't race. Because, Mm -hmm. again, my vision (laughs) was everyone's running something. Everyone's training for something. And now I'm like, oh, no, there are people who actually just run to run. Like, they enjoy running and Mm -hmm. they don't care. So it's. So it's so interesting to think of for me, like this running elevator and how I was on it and how even now I have to check myself constantly when I go on where it's like, okay, remember, and this is why I go back to what I initially said about you. It's like, oh, your why is to inspire. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm like, okay, as a runner, what's my why? And can I remember what my why for running is? So that when I do see these messages or when I do follow these accounts, I am able to have a bit of separation between myself and that person's experience, like that, that detachment of, yeah, that detachment of experience. Yeah. And it's not easy. I mean, I think this is, this is something that comes up a lot when I think we talk about these different aspects is that if we're talking about it in this context, like we are now, I think some might rightly think like, oh, wow, well, it's so easy for them to do that. Like I can, you know, I struggle with that. Like, no, it's not, it's really a struggle for me personally to remember those types of things that I have to keep myself in check. Like, as you said, and I have to remember to check my mood and, you know, these are things that I think if we do often enough, will become more second nature. But for those of us who maybe haven't thought about that or haven't been as self-aware, in the past, like that's something that has to be a conscious decision. Like when you're looking at this stuff, you have to think to yourself, like, this is not my experience. This is their experience, you know, and everybody's different. And I will say too, I think that in many ways, at least with regards to Boston, I think social media has in general gotten a lot better with that. And I, I I do see a lot of those posts, obviously right around April, March, April, we're going to see a ton of Boston related stuff. And I think that the way that Instagram has developed in terms of the running community, it's expanded beyond that. And there are so many more spaces, as you're saying, you didn't realize like people could run and not race. Right. (laughs) But there is that community. Also, there's more 5k community. There's people who do run streak challenge communities, right? There's all these little subgroups within the running community that have expanded. And I think because of social media, um, something I'm thinking of related to Boston, which is always a semi embarrassing story for me, depending on who I'm talking to, depending on how much knowledge they have 
is that I ran Boston for a charity in 2008. So I'm very fortunate. I got to have that experience. I will probably be 67 years old when I can finally qualify based on my times. So that's okay. I've done it. I got there. I have the medal. It's hanging right here actually. So I'm, I'm good. Um, and that, of course, the charity running is a whole nother discussion. Um, but just to the point of when I ran it in 2008, I was still sort of a newbie runner. I mean, I had been running for about five years at that point, but I didn't know a lot about just the larger community. So I didn't know the Sitco sign. I didn't know the history of Catherine Switzer, like Bobby Gibbs. Like I didn't know the history of all of that that went along with it. And it was, you know, it's a little embarrassing to say that now, just based on how much I do know. But I think those are access points that maybe we don't talk about often enough that could make Boston seem more realistic or not seem like such a high goal. Obviously, to qualify, those people should feel honored. They should they should feel deservedly so for their hard work. Um, but there is another section of us who can still get there in various ways. And you should also be credited for that and realize that that's also an acceptable way to do that. And I think I'm partially saying that because I'm sort of thinking about a time, I don't see this as much anymore, when you would see comments from people, things like, well, what's the point of running a marathon if you can't do it in three hours? And why should you who runs a four and a half hour marathon get to run Boston where everybody else had to qualify for it. And, you know, obviously like those people are dumb and they shouldn't say those things, but like, but on a deeper level, like if the, there is a, a subgroup that I think feels that way, right. This more elitist mindset of not just Boston, but just like running in general. And I guess my hope is that people like you and me and definitely team sugar runs as a whole. And I think I can speak for a lot of the Swifters with this, just people like us, I, I see us as like combating that sort of right. Running can be more than just blank, whatever someone says it is. And that's why I think it is so great as a sport because you can find your subgroup within it. And you can find people's goals who match up with yours and groups who match up with what you want to do. And um, it doesn't just have to be one thing. And I, I do think in the grand scheme of things overall, social media has helped develop that. Not always positive, but it, it has. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting to hear you say that because I remember, and I think this is like when I fell in love with you was in Chicago last year when we were all having coffee and you're like, yeah, I run, I ran Boston, but for charity, like you had to like clarify that. Right. And I remember telling you, are you kidding me? Like that I think is harder. And again, not to put anybody's work down. If you qualify, like, I think that's fabulous. It yes. is a lot of work. But I know how much those fundraising minimums are for, for like Chicago or London or any of any of the, you know, no, Chicago is actually like a lower one. Chicago is like easier with fun. Anyways, yeah, not going to talk about the charity, but I remember how you said it. And it was like an asterisk mm. to this incredible experience. And I was like, no, you stop. You do not say you ran Boston. That's it. And I think that was from my own journey and from, you know, my Jessica, hi, um, 
from her asking me that question of, you know, do I want it because of me or do I want it because that's what everyone else, because then what that prompted for me was, if I really want this particular experience, I will do what it takes to have it, especially when there's multiple ways in to having that experience. And what I realized then was, I don't want to fundraise to run that particular race. I would rather fundraise for something smaller and more local than to do that. And, but that was a layer to that of, okay, do I really want to do this race? The answer was no. Mm-hmm. And so I think Boston is always the, it, I feel bad for Boston because I'm like, that's the one that everyone, (laughs) like, that's the one that you can kind of pick on because there is this elite elitist mindset to it that some people do have. And that brings me to the following question for you in terms of as people who are trying to combat that, how do we make the running community feel more inclusive, right? Because you can get that comment of why are you running it if it's going to take you four and a half hours? And that can, that can severely discourage you from even trying, Mm -hmm. right? Or that can just embolden you to be like, you know what? I'm not here for you. I'm here for me. It can kind of go either way. So I'm curious in terms of social media, in terms of comments like that, because even though it's gotten better, there are still comments like that, right? There are still people thinking that way. And there are still people who, again, whether they're intentional with it or not, maybe the messaging on their post, or maybe the messaging in how, not even the messaging, because right now I'm I'm into like storytelling. What we're doing when we're online, we're telling stories and we're telling a bit of our story. So I think there's also, you know, there may be some accounts that when they're telling their story of the Boston Marathon, they're telling it in a way that that is making it feel like such an elite race, like is making it feel like this is not an experience that is for all, when the reality is that it is for all. Mm -hmm. So my question for you is in that as two people and as, you know, in community with other people who probably have social media accounts or who have you know, their own, their own little soapbox with people to listen and support, what can we do to create more inclusivity or to break down? And I feel like breakdown seems like, like a harsh word, but to really like break down the pedestal that we hold certain race experiences on. Mm -hmm. Um, I think my, my immediate response to that is creating those spaces intentionally for, for anybody, right. To, to feel like they are part of that community. Um, those spaces I'm talking about in real life spaces, obviously also virtual spaces with it, it being social media, but, um, I know I talk about them a lot, but that's just cause I love them, but the Swifters, right? Like that was one of, that was one of my main goals with creating this club it's not a running club. It's a run walk club. And I think that piece alone has made it so much more accessible for some people, literally just in a word, just in an advertisement. I mean, we've got people in our group who are thinking of running their first 5k later this summer. Um, and they've never done more than not even a mile, right? Like they've, they've been maybe walking, maybe they haven't, but they are literally 
planning to get started with this very first step. Um, and that's not to say that the goal should be to run a race or it should be to run whatever distance. Um, it's just to say that this particular club has offered them an access point for making them feel like they belong more than they did before. Um, we have some people who were maybe running for a long time and then they didn't, and they're now coming back to it. Um, and the messaging in that for me is so important. I've had people ask, well, you know, how, how fast do you guys go? I'm like, well, every pace imaginable. I mean, out of all the people, if you come on a weekly basis, there's going to be at least one person, whether you're walking or running or jogging or doing whatever, you're going to find at least one person that matches you. And that is an important piece of making that community expansive enough so that there are different levels of people to get involved with. So at least in terms of real life, that has been very fulfilling for me to see that, to see people who never saw themselves as a runner now suddenly see themselves as a runner. Um, but I think that carries over into social media too, right? Our Instagram account and our Facebook groups for the Swifters, I need to also feel like that's the messaging we're having there. Um, you know, we don't necessarily have people who are posting about their paces, which is fine and great. And obviously there's a time and a place for that. Um, and if they wanted to, they could, but the vibe is more, you're doing this thing like yay you, right? Like you got out there and you chose to do this. It doesn't matter how fast you did it. It doesn't matter what place you came in. And we celebrate those things too, right? Like you can do both of those. And I think that we're finding a good space to do both of those things. That's what I, that's what I want. That's my goal for them. Um, and you know, on another level with that, I hope that that carries over for many of our, our Swifters, they have their own personal accounts too, for social media. And I hope that carries over into that as well. How do they process and are they feeling good about themselves and can they put that out there? And, um, you know, not every day is going to be great and not every day is going to be good, but it has to, it, it, to make those spaces, it has to start somewhere. And if you can be the person to provide that space, whether that's through your personal account or a group that you're part of to, I think, always remember that inclusive aspect, right? I don't ever want anybody to feel like they're not part of it. And so that means that you have to be purposeful and intentional about expanding what you post, expanding what you talk about to make sure that everybody can feel included. And again, not everybody's going to connect to every single thing you put out there, but you should be putting a wide variety of stuff out there enough that everybody can connect to at least one thing that you put out there. That was a really wordy way of saying like, be inclusive, <laughs> but I think, I hope that made sense. <laughs> yeah. And, um, what I'm hearing from you and I think this is part of the shift that, that I've undergone. And I think this is maybe the trend that I'm starting to see within the running community mm -hmm. is that it's not either or, it's more of a both yeah. and. So yep. it's not either pace or fun. It's both yeah. and yeah. it's more. So here, when you're talking about this purposeful and intentional messaging, and it goes back to that first community discussion that we had where where ultimately what we were talking about was this need to expand 
how we see ourselves as runners. This need to expand how we define ourselves as runners. And that's what I'm hearing here, that it's really, it, it all comes down to an expansion of how you perceive yourself as a runner. And then also I think of it too, in terms of what you said, it's like, let's cast a wide net. Mm-hmm. Let's cast as wide of a net as possible so that people can understand that there is something here for them. And I love that because I always say that that in here where I live in Miami, sometimes it feels like it can be very niche mm-hmm. or it can be very um like, you know, which is the run walk club, you know, which is the one for the fast runners, you know, like, and it's like, oh, but how can, how can, and as someone who has been running for as long as she has, and who, it's amazing how there's still spaces where I feel uncomfortable going to, Mm -hmm. because I feel like I'm too slow, or not fast enough, or like, I can't keep up, or like, I'm too fast, or and, and it's amazing, again, for me as someone who has been running for so long, that even I can feel that way. So I'm always asking, so how can I be more inclusive in my messaging? And I also love that what I'm hearing from you and everything that you've said, it's kind of like, it starts at the micro level with what we post, with what we share, and then it gets bigger. Mm-hmm. And then it gets bigger. Because even here, it's like, okay, they can share their pace. We'll encourage you to share whatever, but know that the, again, the messaging is like, you're more than just that. It's that, it's that both. And all of this is important. Both your pace is important and having fun is important. And just that you're showing up Mm -hmm. is important. Mm -hmm. So that to me is, is, the trend that I feel like I'm seeing more. And as you were speaking earlier, I was thinking of um, like Runner's World magazine and women's running and like those publications, like seeing how it has changed so much over the pandemic. And I would say the pandemic is really what prompted them. And then there was also, you know, like, I don't know if you heard the whole, um, I think it was last year, the, the keeping track podcast, when they talked, when they did the whole study on who's on the cover of these magazines yeah, and that highlighted one part of, of what's going on with these magazine covers, but it's also been so neat to see how it's changed and how they had, oh God, I can't remember who it was, but it was a recent runner's world. And it was like, this guy who his club is it's like the slow runners I I can't remember I'm like I'm picturing the magazine in my mind it's outside this door but I'm like that's the first time you've ever seen that and as Mm -hmm. soon as I saw him on the cover I went and I found him on social media I'm like this is what I need to see I need to see that there are other runners I need to see that there are people who are focused on having fun while doing this thing that is incredible incredibly hard Mm -hmm. because the minute I get caught up in pace all to me there's just there is a what is it like a negative correlation between the two am I using like the very good oh a plus (laughs) a plus I'm like because I see that when I focus so much on pace my joy yep and love of the sport goes down oh yes Mm-hmm. And, and I, I wanted to provide sort of a, a real life situation 
not that we're not talking about real life, but just a, a thing that actually happened um, in regards to this idea of feeling like somebody doesn't belong. Um, when we started the Swifters, um, you know, we might've been in existence for a couple of months at that point. Um, but we had one of, one of the, one of our Swifters, she had a conversation with me one day about how she had never felt so accepted by a running group. And she spoke specifically about a different group in our area, um, that she had tried to be a member of, and that she had tried to go to some of their meetups and she always was left behind. She is more a walker than a runner. And although she has run races and things, and she always had felt a little left behind. Um, she spoke about how sometimes in training in the summertime, she would get to a water station and it would be packed up already. And she never felt like she could be a runner because of that. That was her sort of first experience in getting into the running community. And so she admitted, I was a little hesitant to come out to your club for a while. I heard about you, but didn't come out for a while because she was worried about that, right? That had, that had been her entry point. Imagine if her entry point had been on the complete opposite of that. Maybe she wouldn't necessarily still be running races or, or whatever. Like it could, it, it just would have been completely different, likely, right? The, the, the positivity that she could have had versus the negativity that she did have. So fortunately she found us, she's loving it. She's doing an awesome job. She's, she's great. She's one of our greatest members, but I think that sort of exemplifies this idea of needing to expand that space for people. Um, not everybody has to become a runner and has to be part of the community, but it should be wide enough that anybody who wants to should not feel detracted at all from coming into it. Um, and it's so great that things like runner world have changed and there's these different communities now, and we just need more of that. And I, I think we have it and it, it continues to grow. Um, but it, it needs to be accessible for anyone. It really does. Yeah. And as I'm listening to you, one, if that person watches this recording, major shout out to you for <laughs> trying, because again, you could have had that one experience and thought running isn't for me, right? Like you could have had that experience and been like, I guess this, this isn't for me because if this is what it's easy to like, say this running community, this particular running space is symbolic of all the other running spaces. So shout out to that person for showing up somewhere differently. Um, and it's, it's interesting because again, I'm coming back to the conversation last month where we talked about the importance of running community in how that shapes our identities as runners and how being involved in the running community is part of what helps us fall in love with the sport. And I believe it was Deborah who talked about how, um, it's not just your running, but it's your involvement in the sport. It's your volunteering at races. It's your supporting people. It's, it's all those. It's when you're the cheerleader to the runners, that that's another part of this runner identity. So I love that you shared that because again, like that's been my experience too. And that's why for the most part, I consider myself a solo runner. I'll mm -hmm. run on Saturdays with like 
a group of my girlfriends. But for the most part, I feel like a solo runner because I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready to be vulnerable enough to run with other people because there is a vulnerability that comes up with that. Just like there is even for me as well, where there's like a vulnerability sometimes with what I share on Instagram. And like, there are those moments where I have to remind myself, like you share what feels good for you because it feels good to share it. Don't share if you're worried what other people are going to think. Those people, they're not paying your bills. They're not going to like, they're not, they're not laying their head down at night and having trouble falling asleep because they're thinking about you and you're running. But that's like part of it too, right? Like, again, it's like, I always come back to this detachment. Like, how can I detach myself personally from others' expectations or from what I perceive will be others' expectations when I share parts of my running journey? And I just love that because it is, it's what are we doing outside of social media? And then what are we doing within social media and what communities are we creating? And then what communities are we partaking in? What communities are we inviting people to be a part of? And I think it's so great. The, you know, the whole run walk methodology, because it really is all inclusive, but I did have this question and I feel like this is me playing devil's advocate with both of us, right? Like me playing devil's advocate with both of us, because what if there's someone that's like, no, our group is for fast runners. Like that's what we want. That is our niche. Just like you have your slow runners, we want our fast runners. So what's your response to that? Or not even your response, but like, what are your thoughts on that? Because I'm like, wait, we need to be devil's advocate here too, because- (laughs) as people who are part of this running community and who have such a love for the sport, we want to make space for everyone, right? Like we want to make space for everyone. I'm just curious as to if someone were to tell you, nope, sorry, like you have to be able to run, like you, your easy pace has to be a nine minute mile. And Mm -hmm. that's just it. Cool, bro. Like, no, (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, yeah, great. Good that's fine. My, my caveat to that is you can have that. You absolutely can have that. And that, that, that exists, right. There's, um, I'm blanking on the name right now. Um, it's called like second, second city runners or something, I think based in Chicago. Um, and actually a couple of our Swifters are part of it. You have to have a certain time qualifier to be part of their club. And they, you know, they, they register on the racing circuit and like they go around to different races and, um, great. And the caveat is you can have that and don't bring on the negativity to others that don't want that or might not fit that profile. And, and what I mean by that is going back to that runner with the elitist mindset who says, well, what's the point of running a marathon if you can't run it in less than three hours or less than three, three and a half hours, as long as that fast group is not having that kind of mindset and is also understanding that other people don't all have the same goals. I think that's great. I'm, I'm not here to say that every group has to be accepting of everybody. You can have whatever qualifications you want to have for certain groups. I just think you still need to be supportive of those other groups too, right? That's where, that's where the, the key comes in. Um, and otherwise I think that's okay. I, I would love to say that nine minutes is my easy pace. 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> like, but it's not. And that's also okay. Right. My easy pace is 10. Some days it's 11, whatever. Like, you know, I'm, I'm also getting to a point in my own personal running where I'm starting to let go of those numbers a little bit. And, um, I say that to say just that it's okay to do that also. And it's okay to have numbers as your driving force like that. Again, going back to, it should be for everybody. And if you want to have specific groups for specific things, it's okay, but just don't bring on any sort of negativity to the groups that don't necessarily have that same goal. I love that because what I'm hearing or what I'm thinking now, my brain is like, oh, can we maybe put out, put like together some information to hand out to all run clubs? Because I think there's, and this is like an issue that I've had again here in my little microcosm of, of Miami, where there are times where I'm like, so what are the running groups that we have here? And I feel like that's part of it too. It's like, it, and it's so interesting for me as I ponder this and as I'm trying to think my way through what I'm trying to say, where it's like in hearing what you're saying, it's almost like, wouldn't it be great if all these run clubs were somehow connected and could basically, hey, here's a new person. Sure, for today, come run with us. We may not be the group for you, but mm -hmm. we think mm -hmm. you should go check out that group, that group, or that group. And yeah. I'm like, why doesn't something like that exist? Like here, I'm thinking about it now. I'm like, wouldn't that be great? Like, I don't know. And the second part that I'm thinking to that is like, even when you're going to this new run club, and I think that maybe an unspoken word of this is like, okay, so a new person shows up and maybe they're slower than someone else, but, and it seems like this is what you're doing with, with Skokie, right? Where it's like, there's always going to be someone that can at yep. least be with you that first time. So yep. I think about it that like as, as another thing that run clubs could do, it's like, maybe this isn't the run club for you, but for today, we are going to have someone that can run with you because your nine minute easy pace. Yeah. I'm sure it's going to suck to have to like slow down by two more minutes, but like for one day, maybe you can do it for yeah. three miles, right? Like for one yeah. day, maybe you can do that for a little bit. So I think that even speaks to a, a greater thing within the running community and inclusivity in terms of like, yeah, truly making sure that no one is left behind. And the way I see it, it's like, oh, wait, if we all really do love this sport, then don't we have, even if it's just like baby, like a little bit of a duty to know what are the running communities, like what are the running groups in our communities? Yep. So that if someone says, hey, I'm interested in starting to run, where can I go? We can direct them either towards one group or maybe towards multiple groups. Because I do, I think of, I think of the, the example you shared. And I'm curious if after that experience, she tried seeking out any other run clubs or if like that experience was enough for her to be like, let me just take a break and see what comes up. So that's what I'm hearing from what you're saying, or like, that's the thought that I'm having where it's like, oh, so there's something else that if we are looking to make the running community more inclusive, it's what information is shared amongst or within the running community so that people know yeah where those different access points are or so that people know where those different subgroups are. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think to that mm -hmm. point too, the, the, the group themselves also needs to just be honest about what the goal is, right? Like if, if you are, and 
how big they want to get, right? Like, I think that's, that's actually one thing that I start to think about as we come into, we're at about nine months of existence and the amount that we've grown in that time has been huge and also fantastic. And as we get into the summer months, I, I wonder like how many others will start to get, which is great. On that same token, you have some groups in the area that are just so big that you would think that they would like split off into different, like smaller pace groups and things, but it almost, it almost just seems certain, certain pace groups, like take over more of the running, um, more of the running events and things that they coordinate. And so that's, that's a little hard for me to watch that because that I know because some of, some of those runners have come to us. <laughs> I know that that detracts, right. That, that deters people from wanting to stay there if they feel like they're getting lost in the shuffle too. So, um, you know, as you, as you said earlier, I think it is a good goal to always say, if there is somebody new, then, you know, maybe some of us don't get to do our workout for the day. Right. Or some of us, somebody takes a step back and says, no, I'm going to, I'm going to like sort of adopt the runner for the day, right. To welcome them into the group. And I think that's a, that's a good goal for any, any club. And then that should be reflected in your messaging that you do on social media. Also, you know, the advertising and, and how you say what your group and what it is. And I mean, I guess even going backwards, like, do you stand for something too? Like, you know, it doesn't have to get so serious with like a mission statement or philosophy, but I do think there, there needs to be some thought put into like, what are the, the values that you want your group to represent? Because that's the kind of person that you're going to get then too. Yeah. And even then, like, I'll challenge you a bit. Cause I'm like, no, if you're putting this out there as a group, that's open to the public, you should be clear with what your values are. Like, yeah. I don't think there, I don't think it's like, oh, maybe, okay. no, I think you should be. <laughs> yeah. Like, I really I do think that. there should be some clarity as to that. Um, yeah, I don't, but I'm also like yeah. big on values. Like, I'm like, no, we need sure. to know, I need to know what my values are and I need to be, see, what did I tell you about a working Hi. farm? There's a child. <laughs> I'm recording this and your little voice is going to show up in it. <laughs> <laughs> what a cute! I knew it. I'm like, there's gonna be a human. I could hear her coming. Um, so, all right. I want. I'm like, gosh. Okay. I'm like looking at my questions, and again, I want to be mindful of the time. But sure. I did want to ask you because this one is one that gets me all the time, and there is just so much that has been said that I'm like, uh, obviously, we need to talk about some of this stuff a little bit more. Um, but I did want to unpack something with you. The whole, if I don't post my run, it didn't happen mentality. <laughs> okay. And I just want to understand maybe from your opinion or from your understanding of like psychology and of group and like, truly, if you have not listened to the belonging episode on for your run podcast, you need to go listen to it because that's what I think of when I think of this, if I don't post my run, it didn't happen. It's like, Oh, is that tapping into our sense of belonging? Mm -hmm. So I'm curious from your perspective, your opinion in your experience with all your knowledge, where does this mentality come from? <laughs> Why do we have it? What purpose does it serve? Because 
listen, I used to be someone who I would post about my runs all the time. And now I giggle anytime I see a meme about like the run didn't happen because I didn't post right. it. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> like I, I feel like there are times where I have to post on social media, like, hey, I'm still running. Like just so you all know, I'm, I'm still running. And I'm like, but why? Like, why mm-hmm. do I even feel that I have to tell people I'm still running? Like if running is for me, why do I feel like I have to make an announcement about it? So I'm curious. I just wanted to unpack that one in particular because I just, it's, it's in the ether of social media and running. And I feel like when you first start running, maybe that's something that's a little more prominent or not. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm laughing so much because it's, I have a new fate. It's not new. I didn't make this up. I just have really appreciated it as of late. It's my favorite joke right now, which is how do you know that somebody's a runner? Don't um, worry. Don't worry. They'll tell you. They'll tell like, you. Yeah. Either that or just ask them. Right. Um, <laughs> and they'll just, they'll just keep talking about it. But, but so to that, I think, so there's a couple of things that come to mind for me. One, definitely. I want to amplify what you said about the belonging piece. Um, and especially for people who are new to it, I think that is, that is absolutely one way that I think we feel like we belong within the running community, within a social media, um, aspect. Um, when you, and let's just be honest, getting likes and getting the comments when you do post a run, whether it was good or not, or however you express it, like it can be validating, right? I mean, like that's, I would argue part of the reason we post that stuff is to have other people see it and to then encourage us, right? Like we reach out for that. Certainly I do. Um, but I think on a deeper level, um, I'm, I'm thinking of a friend of mine who's on her, I think it's 740 something running day streak. And she posts every single run every single day. And I don't, to be honest, I don't know that she does it so much for the validation piece. Although certainly that's probably part of it. I think she does it more as a personal record of her achievement. And I think the daily posting, yes, of course we can do that to seek out from others that what we need, but I think it can also be very personal. Um, you know, like I said earlier that a lot of times I view my social media as like my personal record, my personal journey, my diary, right? Like I don't have my bedside journal anymore, but you know, I think this is some of it's reincarnated, right? Like it's a, it's a different way of looking at that. Um, and I think that can be validating in and of ourselves too, right? Like I post the thing, okay, I did a good job, right? Like, or I, I put that out there and I think that can help a lot of people process. I think it also, it also holds people accountable. I would imagine in some way, right? Like if you have people who are consistently following you and, and consistently liking and commenting on your posts, it's like, if I don't post this one, then I'm being held accountable to the people that are going to encourage me or that are going to push me forward. Um, and also just on a, I think on a more fun level, it's just fun to get feedback too, <laughs> especially if you know that there's certain people that follow you consistently. Um, you know, our, our teammate, Maddie, she is like one of the best supporters and she's always saying something good and it helps me, right? Like if I'm, if I'm doing my like flat me pre-race post, she's always going to have something good to say. You Stephanie are also one of those people. You always have something good to say. And so 
I'm going to post that stuff so that I can get that from you guys. Cause I, I know you as real people. Right. And that's not to say that the people you have never met in real life are not the real people, right? Like they're there, they're there to support you still. Um, but I think it is, there's something extra about the people who are consistent for you. And I think that that, that can really help. That can really help a lot. Yeah. I am laughing because you said the whole like race thing, because there have definitely been moments. <clears throat> I won't say how recent because it's probably, it'll be embarrassing, but there are definitely <laughs> moments throughout like my running social media. I have this itch in my throat. Hold oh, on. Oh, sure. Yeah. No problem. No problem. I was also, I was thinking about this sort of, um, connected to the, you, we didn't talk about this specifically. You okay? <laughs> I'm good. Okay. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't talk about this question specifically, but I was sort of, um, connected to the keeping up with the Joneses mentality. I know that was on your question list and I'm sorry that I'm jumping ahead with it, but just the idea of like, oh, well they posted, so I have to post or like they did this. So I have to do this too. So there is definitely that aspect there as well. Um, and I think that sort of ties back to the belonging thing too, but at the end of the day, it's also like, how much do you value social media? You know, some people use it consistently. Some people only post if they've done a race or some people only if there's a PR or some people, you know, whatever, whatever your value is with that. Um, which is why I think it, it just ultimately goes back to that self-awareness. You know, what, what do you need out of it? What do you want to give to it? And how does it play into your day-to-day -day outside of the social media too? You know, there's a whole world outside of that also, <laughs> which I, sometimes we forget, but, but there is, and it's, you gotta, you gotta figure out like what your balance is with that. Yeah. So I was going to share before the coughing and I, I love, first of all, I'm just love all the questions you have posed throughout of the, throughout this. And I'm big on self-awareness. I'm always like self-awareness is the key to life. However, self-awareness will make life harder mm -hmm. because now you can't ignore your own BS right? Like you can't get oh, around no. it. Yeah. So I love all the questions because it's all about how, just how self-aware are you? Because it's from that place of self-awareness that you can engage mindfully. Mm. If you have no self-awareness, you're just like an empty container, taking it all in and not really knowing who you are and who they are. But what I was going to share was that the social media piece where it's like, and again, I won't share how recent I had this most <laughs> recent experience, but there's like always like this point where I'm like, maybe I should sign up for a race so that I can get more engagement. Like mm -hmm. maybe I should do the race so that I can get more exposure for my account. And, but it's that self-awareness key of like, no, because if I'm doing, I'm doing it for someone else and not for myself. And that's not why, which goes back to like, how, that question of how much do you value social media, but it also goes to the, like, what is your purpose with social media? Like, what's, what's the point of you using this particular platform? Like, what is, and it goes back to that again, for me, the question is always why, like, why am I using this space? Why am I sending this particular message? And why is such an ugly word? Because it can be like, eh, combative. But that's my question is, is, is always centered around a why. 
And so when you bring up the keeping up with the Joneses mentality, that's part of it of like, wait, but everyone else is posting about races and they're getting a lot of likes and they're getting engagement and wait, my brain is still, you know, there's still a reptile brain in there that like gets that dopamine hit. (laughs) It gets that little hit every time there's a like, or every time there's a comment or when there's even something like we haven't even touched upon this, right? Like when your content gets reposted by another account and another account with a larger following and like, and how social media, like it does introduce you to other accounts with bigger, with bigger followings. And as you know, people who me, I am sharing my journey, but I'm also a brand of myself, right? Like I have, I also have offerings myself and you, and it's even like with Skogie where it's like, you are growing this run club. So it's like, there are, there is almost that business element of being on social media of like, yes, part of why I'm here is so that more people can find me, but how do you expand yourself while remaining true to yourself? Yeah. Well, and that, and that goes back to what we were just saying about having those values as a run walk club, we have those values. And so that goes back to yourself then too. Like, what is it that, like, what's your purpose of being there? And what is it that you're trying to give to other people? And if you don't, I feel like in some cases, if we don't have an understanding of what is at the core of all of that for yourself, then that's not necessarily the message that you're going to put out there. And, you know, obviously I'm sure you could guess, but like one of our core values as the Swifters is community. And that drives every single post that I make for the Swifters or every single thing I try to make it every single thing that we put out there. And without that, I think it would start to feel a little, you know, wishy-washy or free for all over the place, but, but it doesn't because I went into it with that mentality. And I think that's what can happen for some of us in terms of our like personal accounts on social media is that it might change over time in its goals and what we want to get out of it. Certainly that happened for me, as I mentioned, I started it by being more like teacher focused, but then it certainly has become a running account. Let's just call it what it is. You know, most of my stuff is running related that I post. Um, but I've tried to reassess like what those values are within that as well. And so if we don't necessarily have that understanding, then maybe what we're putting out there is harder for us to both, I guess, maintain over time, but then also harder for us to understand what we might need from other people. Um, and so again, just going back to that self-awareness piece, it's important to take a step back once in a while, I think. And like, why are you on Instagram? Why are you on Facebook? The purpose here and just making, making that a regular reflection. I'm not talking about like every day or every week, but just what is it that I'm trying to get out of this? And what am I trying to give to? Yeah. And it almost sounds very, um, like your social media help. Cause I'm hearing you and I'm like, oh, wouldn't that be nice if every six months, you know, like you go to the doctor, you go to the dentist, right? <laughs> oh my like gosh, yes. <laughs> every six months you kind of do that check-in and like what I just wrote down, it's this having an openness to reassess what your values are. And I love that because even reflecting on myself, it's like, oh, when I first started on social media, it was very much like 
I was doing insanity, right? Like the beach body program. And I was like, yeah, insanity. And then I started to run. And then I started sharing more of the yoga stuff. And then I'm having an identity crisis with yoga, but that's a whole different discussion for another day. So like (laughs) now, if you look at my profile, like maybe you will know that I teach yoga. Most likely you will not because Mm. the content is more on running because running for me is um, a safer space to communicate what I'm trying to communicate. Mm Whereas the other things that are a part of me, because I'm still trying to figure out, it's really hard for me to connect and then project. Sure. Um, so I love that, like that openness to reassess. And I think there's also this idea that, again, I go back to like that both and instead mm-hmm. of either or, right? Like we don't have to be stuck in one way of being as long as we take that time to reflect on what our values are. And to be okay with maybe those values having changed and to be okay with like, okay, my values have changed and now I'm going to be different. And that's okay. Even though it's scary, again, we come back to like the belonging piece of being a runner. And, and I mean, I've had that, that of like, oh my God, but everyone else is still like marathon training and Mm -hmm. I, or they're like excited about the sport in a way that right now I'm not excited about it. And it's hard. It's hard when it's like, there's almost this, when I log on to social media, again, it's that awareness of, of instead of saying what's wrong with me, that I'm not like everyone else, I'm saying, hey, it's okay to be where you're at. Yeah. What's and right with you? Like, that's, that's the question that I, that I wish we could probably, I mean, I certainly wish I would ask myself that more, right? Like what, what's wrong with me in this race that just happened and no, but what's right. Like what went well. And I think that that's actually an interesting connection back to the psychology piece where one of the newer fields, although certainly this is now 10, 12 years old is called positive psychology, where for so long, psychology has looked at what's wrong with people and how do we fix people. And this particular field of psychology does exactly the opposite. It looks at what's right with people, focuses on things like mindfulness, wellness, um, self-esteem in a way that is not um, uh, like critical, right? It's, it's looking at things from a different perspective of like, you already have these great things, like how can we improve upon them too? Um, and so I think that goes into that reevaluation piece and Stephanie, if in a couple of years, there is a new job called social media doctor, like we're going to, we're going to have to trademark it. Like we should trademark it right now because certainly I was gonna say, are you that's going to come up. We need to put it right now. <laughs> Let's get that going because that is going to, I mean, already we could use that. I mean, with the way that social media can just honestly be very terrible in some ways, how useful would something like that be, you know, on a personal level, right? Like on a, on a personal level where somebody's trying to help you improve your relationship with it, if it becomes a challenge or a problem. Yeah. In preparation for this, and then this will be my last little bit. And then I'll ask you, um, because I want to be mindful of the time I can talk to you forever, but I want to be mindful of the time because I in preparation for this, like I wrote this whole blog post because I was thinking about it, thinking about my own relationship with social media, how it has evolved, how it is evolving. 
And what I realized is that we're kind, it's like a spectrum, right? Like on one end of the spectrum, it's inspire and motivate. And on the other, it's distract and detract. Mm. So for me, I def- how I defined it was those accounts that inspire me are the ones that make me want to be my best runner self. Mm. Those accounts that motivate me are the ones that make me want to get out the door. Like the, those accounts where I'm like, yes, I can't wait to go. Like it excites me about running, like doing the actual act itself. And then on the other end of that, there's the detracts are those accounts that take me away from my journey. Mm. And then the accounts that distract are the ones what, well, it's the opposite. It's distracts are the ones that take me away from my own running journey. And the detracts are the ones that take away Mm. from my running journey. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how, like, once I wrote it out, I was like, this makes so much sense to me that it, it is that. So once I went onto social media and I was like paying attention to the running accounts, I'm like, okay, what is this account doing for me? Is it inspiring me? Is it motivating me? Or is it making me feel worse about myself or less about myself? Mm-hmm. And that's for me, like, that was my tip. Like, that's my tip when it comes to social media consumption is, is, I mean, we've shared a bunch of tips, but for me, it was like, okay, really find out, like, is this account one that excites you about the sport that excites you about your participation in the sport? Or is it one that's making you like, that is making you feel like you're not a part of the sport mm-hmm. or like you shouldn't be a part of the sport or like where you're like, there's something wrong with where you're at within the sport. And that for me was just like, I was like, oh, now I'm seeing these accounts in a different light. So the question I have for you is if you can bring it down to one thing and it can be what you shared with me, or it can be something totally different as a tip or tool or however you want to call it for engaging with social media, what would that be for you? So we briefly went over this a little bit prior, prior to our talk, um, just via email, but I, I think it's these set boundaries. Um, and that can be a literal boundary in terms of trying to use the time limit feature that I know iPhones come with. I'm not sure about Androids, but, um, you know, sometimes it doesn't work because you can just click like, Oh, ignore time limit for today, which is fine. (laughs) But at least having that there gives you a reminder of, Oh, you know, I've, whatever you set your time limit for, I've been on this for 30 minutes today, probably should take a step back or an hour or whatever it is. So there's the literal boundary, but then I think there's also the metaphorical boundary, which is you just sort of addressed it, right? Like figuring out which things are motivating and inspiring you versus which things are distracting or detracting from you. And I certainly have stopped following certain accounts because they were doing the negative. Right. And that was a boundary for me. Like, I understand that this person might be following me, or I understand that this person has commented or liked my stuff before, but I can't continue to have that kind of connection because some of the stuff you're posting is it's not working for me. Right. And, you know, obviously that becomes a very different conversation. If that person is like an actual person in your real life day to day or a friend or a family member, that's a different conversation. But if it is somebody that, you know, you're just connecting with through social media, I think it becomes a little bit easier to set that boundary. Um, but ultimately you have to 
sort of figure out like, what are your walls and when are you going to put them up depending on how it's affecting your personal journey too. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right. So on that note, I am going to thank everyone for being here. I'm going to stop the recording. However, the conversation can continue. I just want to be mindful of the time and for anyone who's watching the replay, also mindful of their time. So if you're watching this on replay, thank you for being here with Sabrina thank and I. You. Sabrina, do you have any final words? Um, those of you that tuned in after to watch the replay, thank you so much for taking the time. And certainly if you have questions about anything we've talked about today, um, definitely reach out to us and follow me, Run Teacher Sab on Instagram. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode and are walking away from it with some tools to mindfully engage with social media. As always, please share any thoughts or reflections you may have on this discussion. Links to Sabrina's Instagram page and the Skokie Swifter site will be included in the show notes. You can also follow Sabrina at run underscore teacher underscore sab, and you can find out more by visiting skokieswifters.run. Until next time, run happy, run strong, and run true to you.